Want to hear a, a fun anecdote about the Thomas Crown affair? I, uh, <laughs> you don't want to save that for when we do it? No. No. <laughs> go right ahead i saw it in the theater mm-hmm. um, why i don't know man i actually don't know i don't know why i saw that in the theater you were like 14? 14 yeah that's a weird movie to see in the theater when you're 14 man it's pretty weird yeah uh what's even weirder is i saw it in bangor maine and stephen king was in the theater with me what? uh and I, the only reason i noticed was because it was just not that long after he had been run over by that oh, van. Oh, shit. So he was still in a wheelchair. Oh, shit. Um, but he's a very recognizable person. Yeah. So I saw a guy in a wheelchair, didn't think anything of it. And then he was like right behind me uh, going into the theater. So I held the door open for him and was like, that's fucking Stephen King. You held the door open for Stephen, for Stephen King, King. So we could both watch. He really liked the Thomas Crown Affair. That's he was great. laughing a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet this anecdote to him and ask him if he remembers <laughs> this. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. And I'm Steve Parkhurst. And today, we're forging a stronger marriage through counter-terrorist espionage. As you do. We are talking about our boy, Jim Cameron. Old Jimmy C. We're, we're back with another, another James C. banger. 1994 James Bond send-up homage. We'll get into that. We'll get what, into what that. What exactly is this movie? Well, it's called True Lies, first of all. Thank you for answering. (laughs) It's called True Lies. And um, we're also back into kind of familiar territory with this one because I hadn't seen it at all, ever. And this was like quite a favorite for you. This one we had on VHS. This wow. we're back in very familiar territory. Why did you have this on? Not like I don't think that was your choice, but why did your household have this on VHS? It was it was one of my mom's favorites. Oh. She loved, I'm assuming still loves this movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, you could maybe make that <laughs> argument that We there all was, love Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I do remember her praising Jamie Lee Curtis. And in retrospect, <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Uh, but no, she was, uh, she, uh, in my childhood, always loved action movies. Yeah. Um, big Mel Gibson fan back in the day when that was, that was kosher, but When we so didn't, to speak. Oh. <laughs> especially, this is great because this will come, oh no, this comes af- out after the uh, Jewish high holidays. But, oh, uh, yeah, so. Uh, but no, she she was kind of she helped introduce me to all of the action movies that kind of were foundational. My dad was the film snob; he he wanted like British costume dramas and whatnot. That's so weird. Isn't to that me. fascinating? That's so weird. He to had me. his some of them. Like he really liked uh, Road Warrior. He loved Road Warrior. Another fucking Mel Gibson. I don't know. No, I think everyone was, just loved yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah, that was just like in everyone in yeah. the 80s and 90s. It was but um, other than that, mostly he liked kind of like whatever the Oscars uh, wow. were, were into that year. Like the English Nation. Oh, like oh God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, my mom loved this one. So we had it on VHS and I watched it quite a bit. But do you remember what age you were when you first saw this? Moderately too young. Oh, pretty that's much, fun. Pretty much all the movies, uh, I was a little too young to have seen them, probably. Yeah. 
Uh, and this one, yeah, looking at it now is like, oh man, they uh, don't skimp on on the violence in the this. violence, but also like some kind of edgy shit for 1994. Like, so this has Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, a, a young Eliza Dushku, so which young. is great. Yeah. She's she's very good in this she's great she's better than we edward furlong i'll that's a good point a a huge improvement in the child acting yeah i think in this one she was maybe a A little older a little bit older for sure which definitely helped tom arnold is also in this bill paxton grant heslov uh charlton heston charlton heston (laughs) which is funny on imdb he's listed as uncredited but he He's credited. He's in the credits. He's in the. He's he gets in Charlton Heston as yeah. Credit. I don't know why IMDb says this. That's weird. It's very weird. Great cast, but this does get like a little edgy. Like at the beginning of the movie, Tom Arnold is talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger about like Eliza Dushku, who is the character is fourteen in this movie, like stealing money to get an abortion. Yeah. And whether she's a virgin still, it's very like, whoa. What's funny it's is... 94. I don't... That didn't leave an impression on me well, at no, cause all. You probably didn't really understand like, what? what an abortion is. Especially was. in a movie where there's fighter jets yeah. and nuclear bombs. I, yes, this all happens in the same movie. I don't know if everyone listening to this has seen it. I guess we can go through a very quick sort of rundown of the plot of True Lies. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a secret spy for sort of a shadowy organization within the government. It's a little, it's not the CIA. But it feels CIA it's adjacent. Basically. Like deep state. Deep state. Deep state This here is the deep state. Great. Now I have to keep that in. Thanks. You made it uneditable. I really appreciate that. Everything I do is uneditable. <laughs> Become uneditable. <laughs> But anyway, so he's keeping his uh, spying a secret from his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, and and his daughter, Eliza Dushku. Uh, And he is trying to stop a terrorist cell from bringing in stolen Soviet nuclear weapons into the country. Basically. Basically, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the kind of B plot, I guess. And is, it's a huge. It takes up a. It's like an subs- A minus plot. Yeah, it takes up a substantial portion of the film, like most of the second act, really. Uh, he suspects that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is having an affair and basically uses the deep state to spy on her. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucked, really, when you actually look at it. But uh, so he kind of goes through this elaborate ruse to figure out if she is cheating on him she is having not an affair but like almost kind of an emotional affair almost yeah with bill paxton's character he's the sleazy the sleaziest uh, used car salesman who basically tricks women to have sex with him yeah uh, by pretending to be a spy he's kind of like a, a precursor to neil patrick harris's character on how i met your mother almost oh yeah interesting. except in that show it's supposed to be it's funny charming and funny <laughs> and it is very funny here. it is he's so fucking funny in this uh so anyway they figure it out uh, schwarzenegger figures it out um he you know basically kidnaps Paxton's character kidnaps Jamie and his Lee own Curtis, wife <laughs> makes her dance for him uh, and then tries to have sex with yeah. her um, and before anything can happen just as it's revealed that he is Arnold Schwarzenegger it's her, her husband, husband. 
uh, the terrorists break into the hotel room, kidnap them, bring them to Key West, uh, where they have all of the nukes staged, and uses him to confirm, you know, to the world that they actually have these nukes. And then he has to escape. He has to save his mm-hmm. wife, uh, and they have to then escape the island before the nuke goes off. And then it ends. Oh, it's not over. The nuke goes off, and that's not the end of that the movie. That isn't the end of the movie. And then it turns out Eliza Dushku has been kidnapped by the terrorists, brought to this high-rise in Miami, and he has to go with a Harrier uh, fighter jet and rescue her and kill all the rest of the terrorists. And then a year later, they're all one big happy spy family. Playing, uh, playing Thumb, thumb War. war. Uh, and then he and Jamie Lee go out and uh, do the tango. Do the tango. Tango, huge in the 90s. Absolutely enormous. You could enough. not get enough of it. There's this, you know, I guess Moulin Rouge is like 2000. Every, the so first like, two years of a new decade are just the last decade. Right. Like that's my hot take know, on that, decades. and then we brought it back with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which yeah. feels not necessarily in direct commentary or like not necessarily in direct conversation with this movie, but like almost of a type because it feels like they're both Homage, kind maybe? of deconstructing the. I sound like the most pretentious person, but it does feel on some level no. like they're kind of deconstructing the spy you? genre. Never. <laughs> But also, I'm not wrong. <laughs> I, I also want to say they there's a tango scene in Thomas Crown Affair, but it's been a very long time since I've seen that. So I can't say for sure. Well, I when just, we do our episode on the Thomas Crown Affair, we can... I think we can do that. That was 99, right? Yeah, it's it? on our list. Okay, so, so want to hear a, a fun anecdote about the Thomas Crown Affair? I, uh, <laughs> you don't want to save that for when we do it? No. No. <laughs> Go right ahead. I saw it in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, why? I don't know, man. I actually don't know. I don't know why I saw that in the theater. <laughs> you were like 14? 14. Yeah. That's a weird movie to see in the theater when you're 14, man. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, what's even weirder is I saw it in Bangor, Maine, and Stephen King was in the theater with me. What? Uh, and I, the only reason I noticed was because it was just not that long after he had been run over by that van. Oh, shit. So he was still in a wheelchair. Oh, shit. Um, But he's a very recognizable person. Yeah. So I saw a guy in a wheelchair, didn't think anything of it, and then he was like right behind me uh, going into the theater, so I held the door open for him and was like, that's fucking Stephen King. You held the door open for Stephen, for Stephen King, King, so we could both watch. He really liked the Thomas Crown Affair. That's he was great. laughing a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet this anecdote to him and ask him if he remembers <laughs> this, and uh, we'll see yeah, how that goes. Get, get confirmation. So yeah, I guess I'm 99% sure it was Stephen King, but he's a very he looks. You would yeah. It's there hard are, to mistake him for anyone yeah, else. Yeah, no, that feels like. I'm, I'm not going to doubt the authenticity of this, but what I want to know is if Stephen King remembers this. I would love to know that, too. I suspect no. I probably suspect he not. Does. Probably not. He was um, probably on a lot of painkillers at the time. Oh, so it was that recent? It was after, really oh recent. Oh, my God. It was God. Like months later. Wow. And it was, he almost got killed. Oh, yeah. I remember like, uh, hearing he about that. He got fucked up pretty bad. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. That's uh, my little Thomas I love. I love that anecdote. you didn't want to save that. <laughs> <laughs> if we found the intro for the for this episode i, I mean think. i guess i've just never seen it on any of the streamers so who knows if we it can was even on find amazon it. prime oh really yeah oh well too late <laughs> so is this movie a like a send-up is it an homage 
Is it a mixture of both? Is it James Cameron working through his three previous divorces? He was like still a few years away from marrying Linda Hamilton at this point. Which would not work out. Which didn't work out. But then the one after did. The fourth one? The fifth one. The fifth wife. (laughs) The fifth wife. They've been together since, you know, they got married in the year 2000 and have been together since. So like... Pretty good. That that seems to have stuck. Yeah. I don't... You know, good for you guys. Yeah, I hope they're very happy. I think it's kind of all of the above. Mm. It is, I think, first and foremost, the most elaborate my wife is a bitch. There's uh, so much my wife... Well, okay, what's interesting is there's so much wife is my wife is a bitch in this. But it's like a lot of it comes from the Tom Arnold character who is clearly like, you know, comedic relief and also like not some not like a uh, someone you want to emulate. emulate. No. Yeah, no, he's clearly like the id of Cameron, I would say. Yeah. I think like Tom Arnold is sort of the yin of James Cameron to Schwarzenegger's Yang. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean like it's his worst impulses in Arnold's character. And then Schwarzenegger is like him, I think, trying to be a better person. I do think this is a hundred million dollar therapy session for I James absolutely Cameron. think so because there's this like interrogation scene where and it's like extremely fucked up like you know Tom yeah. Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger have kidnapped, kidnapped Jamie Lee Curtis as as Arnold's wife and are interrogating her and implicate like trying to imply that she has like made herself an accessory to a terrorist cell mm-hmm. and are interrogating her and asking her all these like extremely uncomfortable questions. And she eventually loses her shit and, and like attacks the double sided gla- uh, mirror with, with, a, a, with a stool. stool. It does a pretty good job. She, she fucks it up. Oh my God. Like, and, but she, what tells me that Cameron is not unself-aware and is, I don't know, he seems to be willing to engage in self-critique and self-reflection is like Jamie Lee Curtis gets this like really wonderful moment in that interrogation scene where she is like, you know, they're like, why would you agree to meet? You didn't actually sleep with this guy. He was pretending to, you know, he was trying to get you to go with him to Paris and pretend to be his wife. Like, why would you do something like that? And she was like, my life is fucking boring bullshit. And I wanted to like do something that made me feel special. And it's like, yeah, man. And there, it's like this real moment of like understanding and like, you know, letting her be a person. I think that's kind of the thing where it does elevate the movie beyond just the wife is a bitch kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of her issues as well with, uh, Harry Tasker, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. is that the guy's never around. Yeah, he's he's, he's a work. terrible husband. He's a bad husband. They they go through all this effort to throw him a birthday party, and he just you know he's working. It's yeah. that classic like the double you know the guy with two lives. It's always, but it's like yeah that would there's a real empathy for right. both daughter and the wife there's empathy and like obviously again schwarzenegger is james cameron here cameron was one of the busiest filmmakers in the 90s and yeah that is probably a big reason why his marriages kept failing even when they were 
like producers on the film with him. Like he, you know, he and Gail Ann Hurd were married for yeah. a minute. And, yeah. you know, it was during slash right after uh, like Terminator and, and aliens. And, you know, it was probably like, just like, this is not, this is fucking miserable, dude. You need to like clock out and just be a person with me. So yeah, it does like it, allows and a lot of credit to jamie lee curtis as well she becomes a real character it starts out as very much like oh secret agent man and his you know frustrated frustrated wife wife. and then she very much becomes uh, a person in in the movie and uh has a real inner life and has real wants and desires and is like a fully fleshed out character yeah and it really does feel like it was Cameron just being like, ooh, I'm fucking bad at this. It's like, you know, you can see him. There's points at which, like, you know, when Schwarzenegger thinks his wife is cheating on him and he goes into, like, full rage wad kind mm-hmm. of mode. And you could see, like, Cameron doing something like that. And then, you know, but he's actually... He learns he, eventually. Theoretic, yeah, and, eventually. like, God only knows if James Cameron himself, like is feeling like is like this did this like we don't this is pure speculation 100 percent. we don't do any real research here at no Mission i guess I, we could have like read some articles yeah. or something i don't know man a lot of those divorces happened in like the 80s so i'm not looking i'm not looking, for I'm not shit looking, like looking that. at yeah, whatever care. uh but yeah no that's uh it's it's the biggest it's basically a marriage story with nuclear weapons and uh fucking harrier jets yeah yeah. So that's fun. It is. And Bill Paxton. And Bill Paxton. Who is so, so great in this. He's really great in this. Although my biggest critique of this movie, it's two hours and 30 minutes, which is... 20 minutes. Okay, 20 minutes. <laughs> it is a very long movie and you do kind of feel it. As important as it is to establish the dom- the sort of domestic part of Schwarzenegger's life, it's just... The Bill Paxton, Jamie Lee Curtis of it is really, is good in and of itself, but it just carries on for a really long time. And I think we could have trimmed that stuff probably by half. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the opinion, because I like this movie, that it could have been a flat two hours. Like, it could have been two hours and cut out 20 minutes. I think your argument is a little more could have been removed. Probably. We probably got could have gotten this down to an hour 45, I think. Damn. <laughs> Jesus. Look, you cut you cut a bunch of the Bill Paxton stuff and you cut like the the end. It feels like the movie is ending with the nuclear. And yeah. I, I know that's intentional on the part of the movie because yeah. it's like that is theoretically the end of a movie in the genre. Mm-hmm. Usually like right. we've done it. Off. The bomb goes off. But because we're in like spy with family territory, you know, we gotta we gotta get Arnie into a jet. <laughs> I would say my bigger critique is that you could cut a lot of the Paxton, like you said, the kind of marital strife stuff, the bloat of the early second act. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's missing is I don't feel that much about Eliza Dushku because she basically shows up in the beginning. Steals some money, hops on the back of her 
boyfriend's motorbike. Uh, yep. And then we don't see her again until she's in the tower, until she's been kidnapped. Basically, yeah. Which So she bookends the movie, basically. And so there's no real relationship. Like, we've spent all this time, you know, building, fleshing out a very good, interesting relationship mm-hmm. between Schwarzenegger and, and Curtis. And she just kind of gets short shrift, like, oh, right, well, the marriage has been saved. We need something uh, else. But remember the kid yeah. who's kind of a, a little shit? Yeah. We've got to figure that out, too. And it's like, oh, I don't know if we needed to do I, that. I didn't really super need this. Like, with that being said, it's a great sequence. It is. It's such a, there's so much good shit that they do. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, there are multiple action sequences in this that are genuinely entertaining and creative mm-hmm. and unique. And I, I'm not sure I've seen any similar to that to at least to most of them yeah the one that like i really loved was it's towards the beginning of the movie and uh schwarzenegger is chasing the bad guy and we'll 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 talk more about the there is a lot to unpack with the bad with guys the bad guys. guys there but so schwarzenegger is chasing the bad guy and the bad guy hops on a motorcycle and schwarzenegger knocks a cop off a horse very funny which is hilarious and gets on the horse and, and chases after the guy on the motorcycle and that's fun you've got horse versus mo- like that's great in and of itself and you're like well isn't that enough no it isn't it just escalates it just escalates Literally. they they go through like inside the hotel and you're like well isn't that enough no 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 we're getting into the fucking elevators the guy on the motorcycle drives on to an elevator with the motorcycle and then schwarzenegger gets in an elevator on the horse and there's a couple like an elderly couple in there and it's just it's really funny and I, interesting it is a lot like Terminator 2 in that way where there's just these little moments. It's not necessarily yeah. laugh out loud, but like Cameron really nails just doing a little bit yeah. uh, <laughs> where like the elderly couple on the elevator is a perfect example of like the guy being like, it's a uh, beautiful animal. And you know, Schwarzenegger just constantly saying sorry, sorry as he like, as, crashes as, through the Marriott. He crashes through the Marriott and like at one point, you know, he has to turn the horse around yeah. in the elevator and it like jostles, run, jostles the, the, the lady and she's yeah. like oh and yeah. it's just very funny <laughs> you know and stuff like at the end with the harrier jet bumping into the cars and stuff yes the hair like schwarzenegger lands the jet and it lands and then pulls forward you know just a tiny bit just, just to, to bump the car bump the cop, cop car. car just like these little sprinkles of humor again not like crazy hijinks but like Enough to just remind you, like, we're having a fun We time. are having... This is a fun movie. This is a silly... It is the silliest fucking movie. It's so silly. And that's where we come back to, like, what is... What is... True Lies. True Lies. You would... The title alone... It sounds like a Leslie Nielsen movie. Implies... Absolutely. It implies shenanigans. Yeah. It implies, you know, spoof. Nonsense. Nonsense. Malarkey. And... And... It is. And all it of is. Those all of those things. But I think one of the problems is that it's just too good. It's too competently made. It's so competently made. It, it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. Pretty much everything effects and stunts and just the sequences in general, they all hold up really well. You know, the Harrier Jet sequence at the end where he's rescuing Eliza Dushku, there's some clearly a lot of comping going on. Like yeah. They had, but, 
finally managed to figure that out and it looks really good it looks really really good really nowhere i'll be honest the only thing that really stuck out to me and i'd be curious to know the production explanation for this i only ever saw this on vhs on like an old you know crt tv this is the first time i've seen it on a big you know flat screen and you can see schwarzenegger's stunt double a whole fucking bunch. Yes. And not just during really big stunts, but like during fight sequences. Mm-hmm. And like face, full face. Full like, face. Like him running down the snowbank in that opening yeah. sequence. And like, there's a lot. And it's funny how little they even try to hide it. Like when No, they don't at all. When he's on the horse, it's, it's, you it's just so see apparent. like, it's just like, that's Greg. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who is that? That is maybe the biggest like, production flaw i can see yeah. which is interesting because schwarzenegger you know is, this wasn't his first rodeo yeah is he just tired <laughs> tired maybe he had an injury of maybe. some kind yeah. like that's totally but like maybe he got jacked up on the set of terminator 2 or something and maybe. like you know just kind of needed to take her easy for yeah. a while um and it's not enough to like ruin the movie or anything but that's like no the not only... at all this is not a movie that gets ruined really no Because it is, it's just so, like, as soon as you start to take it seriously, something will happen, like, Jamie Lee Curtis will, like, do a weird dance move. She'll fall off the bed. Or wave her arms in, in like, a very theatrically comical way. Yeah. It's all very silly, and it does feel like, you know, the original pitch was, what if James Bond was just an American guy with a family? Yeah. And what would that look like? And then it might have even started out as sort of, because this is written, the screenplay is by James Cameron, but there are three credited screenwriters before him. So they, I was looking at this on IMDb, and what the other three screenplay people are credit, it's like a a screenplay in another language. So I'm guessing that this was based on... Oh, interesting. Something from, you know... The entire rest of the world, oh. which does cinema as well. I've heard they they can do that sometimes. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting because like my thinking was like maybe this started out as almost like an Austin Powers kind of like just straight mm-hmm. up parody, and then once Cameron got involved, it became much more of just an action movie. Uh, but it still holds on to a lot of that sort of parodic quality, where it's just so over the top and so ridiculous. And kind of playing the hits in terms of like CIA agents and the situations that they find themselves in and, you know, like the dowdy wife who has to get sexy and just everything feels like it's a play on something else. Yeah, this is the the screenplay that this was kind of based on is La Totale, uh, which is a French adventure comedy like spy comedy film so i think that's where a lot of the farcical elements come in okay which makes a lot of sense and it's very interesting that this is like cameron took an interest in this yeah i wonder how that happened a little or maybe it was like sent to him and and he just decided like this is a good opportunity for me to you know do some self-therapy right Uh, in in the french tradition the french famously good at uh marriage you know, with therapy at least. Well, sure, that too. Wait, hold on. They're making a True Lies TV series? 
So I feel like I've been hearing about that for years now. There was going to be a sequel, and then I feel like I've heard about a TV series before. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It feels like one of those just development hell kind of situations. Probably. Like, I could I could see that. Because I think there was supposed to be a Mr. and Mrs. Smith TV series, too. Oh, gosh. I think you're right. Yeah. I think they just kind of languish in development forever. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> I, I'm sure you can't imagine at all. So I guess, you know, kind of in the same vein of talking about whether or not this movie is kind of a parody or at least sort of farcical, you do have to address the bad guys yeah. in this movie. They are clearly like Islamic terrorists. Yes. Yeah. Not just Middle Eastern. But it's impl- it's strongly implied. Well, the name of their terrorist cell is Crimson Jihad. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. And they are comical. Like they are cartoon character yes. versions of kind of your classic islamic terrorist yes which is interesting because the early 90s you know for a long time the 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 typical villain for this sort of genre is the soviets that's like most of the villains (laughs) it's the soviets and maybe the germans yeah like not like if you if you're doing a period thing like some some nazi remnant maybe right yeah but generally usually for a spy movie it was the soviets but uh, Soviet Union had collapsed, um, and I think this movie kind of fell into this little gray zone where, like, all right, we can't use the Soviets anymore. Um, Though plenty of movies certainly they still <laughs> did. I mean, Jesus, Goldeneye did. Goldeneye and Air Force One. Oh, yeah, lots. Yeah. It's weird the. It's weird that this also did not succumb to the Cold War hangover. And I think that was probably them wanting to be a little more modern. And Well, and then you had, in 1993, the World Trade Center bombing. Yeah, the first, the uh, first World Trade Center terrorist thing. attack. Um, and yeah, you had, you know, you had had Desert Storm a few years earlier. So just the kind of very vague concept of the Middle East. Mm-hmm was on America's mind. Yeah. And I think it kind of reminds me a little bit, even though this was all post 9-11, like the Team America World Police thing of just like, here is how Americans will picture, you know, an Mm -hmm. Islamic terrorist. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you don't want to excuse it uh and or or no because you're still yeah it's one of those things where it's like you're still reproducing the shitty stereotype even as you are attempting to try and get humor out of it yeah even if it's a commentary even if it's just sort of like haha aren't americans dumb it goes back to like the movie being a little too well produced for it to be a proper joke yeah certainly here it's a little it's just a little too well done even with like Everyone involved having very silly moments like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis drops an Uzi. Yeah. And it keeps firing and kills kills all all of the bad guys. And that to me feels like a very pointed commentary on how the bad guys can never hit anything and the good guys always hit their target perfectly. That feels to me like... It does feel intentional. Very intentional. It's also a very funny moment. It's... (laughs) But yeah, like, you know, the main bad guy uh, is kind of a buffoon. Yeah. Like, he's always just making faces and and falling down and like, he's he's very silly. It's these elements that feel more like farce. Yeah. 
but the mo- but the language of the movie like visually is not farce right it's not austin powers it's not like austin powers it, the visual language is comedy the visual language of true lies is spy thriller spy thriller <laughs> and it looks it looks great, great. Uh, it looks then, better than the bond movies yeah i think it is it is sort of just a uh, just bad execution if you were trying to you know have some sort of commentary on on using islamic jihad as the enemy then uh, yeah you missed the mark man i think he had maybe not the worst intentions that's usually the case for james cameron generally speaking he seems to have good intentions that are maybe not perfectly realized, mm-hmm. which I, I know I've said this before, but like for the richest, white, whitest, most powerful man right. in the Hollywood. Ma- the man who told Fox, fuck you, I'm not taking your notes on, on the next Avatar movie. I paid for all your shit. He actually, he was just the first Avatar movie. Oh, like, it was? Yeah. Oh, oh, right, that was. So he was making Avatar, and the Fox execs were like, we have some notes. He was like, fuck off, I made Titanic. Like this, I paid for this building. This building you're in is, I did this. And like, hats off. Yeah. But like, Avatar is another example of like, good intentions, execution, questionable. I do think the intentions are oddly better in Avatar. I, I think, would agree. Yeah. yeah. I think the... You know, having these guys be cartoonish Islamic fanatics is like, you know. What I'm guessing is that he was really focused on the, uh, the domestic yeah, story. Yeah, I, I completely, I think you're totally right. I think it was just an afterthought. Like an earlier version of the script probably was Goofy Soviets. And then it had to be updated. And like, now it's Goofy, uh, I don't know, Whatever. Islamic Oh, terrorists. what just happened? The world, like... World Trade Center? Islamic, Islamic fanatics. Five. The fanatics just tried to blow that up. Let's, Let's fucking, do that. It's topical. Yeah. Uh, you know, Desert Storm. I don't know. Fucking. So, like, fine. I do. I, I actually do see how that happened. Yeah. And, like, it was also the 90s when there was a lot of that. Uh, just, like, kind of Thought. basically just racial stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> religious stereotypes. Like, this is uh, not sort of the only offender in that yeah, regard. Yeah. This, this unconscious reproduction of, yeah. of these kind of stereotypes was pretty, I guess, not rampant, but growing. Growing. Growing, uh, and then you know, nine eleven happened, and it was totally fine. After and then that. it was t- like, no one ever did that you know. again. Uh, so they didn't make several out. entire television series revolving around that exact concept. No, none at all. None that were wildly Extremely. praised, award winning. And what's funny is you, listener, have like several options to choose from in yeah. terms of what show we might be talking Pick about. Is it Twenty Four? Is it Homeland? Is I it, was thinking Homeland. Yeah, I mean, that was... 24 is another great example. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, so I, I do agree with you that, like, the weird racial stereotypes of Avatar are for a better cause. Somehow. Like, the messaging is better. Look, at least they're, like, yes, the coding is sort of indigenous American. It's icky. I mean, it's very. <laughs> it is very indigenous um, American. But at least... He didn't take any, any like he did. Cre- you know, they they created a new language instead they of did. just taking uh, elements of of an, an extant indigenous 
That language. is true. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, that movie's point is... Why like, am I defending Avatar? Yeah, I don't, interesting. I do not care about the movie Avatar. But, like, Avatar's point was imperialism is bad. Yeah. Amer- Fuck the, the military. American military is bad. It was unambiguous. Which is really interesting given the support that true lies must have had from the yeah. American military industrial complex. Yeah, that is a good point. So yeah, it's like maybe he evolved a little. Um, well, in, I think he probably time. just like wasn't really thinking about it too yeah. much and was like also he'd, he'd done Terminator and Terminator 2 and Alien. So actually he probably did have enough clout to like get this. Fun- if you need military planes... You, you need the to, military. You need the military. Uh, not only that, this was the first movie to cost over $100 million to produce. Holy shit. In, in world history. Wow. I, I don't know if that includes inflation. Don't quote me on that. But okay. like in real numbers, it was the first $100 million movie. So yeah, even a guy with his clout probably did still need a fair amount of right? deals like being made. Like he had to throw in some lines about how the Marines were, you know, good at uh, shooting good, or whatever. Good shot, boys. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's it's pretty anodyne by those uh, standards. Even yeah. movies today, like Jesus, every Marvel movie has... Um, you the know, full support. The of... full support of the U.S. military. So like, whatever, you know, Avatar didn't have that. Uh, no, because he finally had made enough money to be like... So much goddamn money. You know what? I am building all this shit myself. I'm just going to do everything underwater. I don't need your fucking jets. It is uh, funny that like this movie ha- starts out underwater. Yeah. Um, has a couple other underwater yep. uh, scenes. It starts. Jim just loves going underwater, man. He loves man. going he underwater. He fucking loves it. He loves the way. Of water. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. I think is Avatar is in... The, the original is in theaters it's now. It's back in theaters now. And the the new one is like Christmas, it's maybe? Christmas, I yeah. think. So get high, go to your local IMAX, watch The Way of Water. I bet it'll be like a, a, a visual feast. Look, man, Avatar in 3D and IMAX in 2009 blew my fucking mind. I and maybe, I, like, you know, maybe the story will be like... Better? Better? Existent? You know. Yeah, the, you know, the original story was like, People make fun of unobtainium, uh, but I feel I like that was a, <laughs> I felt like that was the joke. Oh, that's kind of. I feel like Cameron suffers from this a lot, where people <laughs> like don't realize he's joking. I certainly, I didn't take it as a joke. Because uh, the the character who coins unobtainium is the villain is, of the movie. Yeah, it's uh, what's his name? He was in everything. Giovanni for, Ribisi. Yeah, he was in everything, everything for, for a while. while. Uh, but he's the one who says, yeah, we call it a, an obtainium. And it's sort of just like, because it's so hard to get. I don't know. And it's and, like treated kind of as a joke in the movie. And well, with the benefit of like hindsight, now that like we have just the dumbest shit, <laughs> everything is so fucking stupid now. Yeah. Names are stupid. Like seeing the depths of how intellectually bankrupt corporate america is it you're like oh actually unobtaining that 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 is a thing that tracks they would absolutely do that like you know you've got your elon musks of the world coming up with the dumbest shit imaginable like the boring company because it makes tunnels (laughs) and everyone's like you're fucking genius oh my god genius you're you're right unobtainium would be deeply clever for someone like it's a meme. to come up with oh god they would do it they would name it that to try to and make a it meme. a meme yeah 
So I don't know. It feels, if anything, a little forward thinking, a yeah, little ahead of I its time. I can't believe you've talked me into this because I was a staunch unobtainium hater for years. Everyone was. Everyone was. Like it's, you know, it was very We just hip. didn't know. It we didn't know. Very hip to make fun of Avatar. Uh, but hey, we've circled back around, baby. We're reevaluating it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, this is a podcast about true lies. True lies. So, you know, it's not uh, the best James Cameron movie. No. But a mid-tier James Cameron movie is still better than most other directors, like, best films. There's still going to be, like, five or six moments where you go, holy shit. I mean, like, you know, the it's not Jamie Lee Curtis. It's clearly a, a stunt performer. But when she gets pulled out of the limo as it's plunging over the uh, into the ocean... That looks fucking incredible. It looks amazing. Like she's... They did that. They, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis didn't do it, but like someone did, did that. that. It looks fantastic. The action scenes are great. It's funny. You know, it's... It's really it's funny. pretty funny. Like Tom Arnold skates right up to being annoying, but I feel like he's... The, he just manages to avoid that. Like Cameron is judicious enough with him. Yeah. I think. Like, just when you're like, I don't really need more of yeah. the skis. This Like, my skis meter is is kind of going off the charts. We're, we're at 11 here. We'll leave this, like, we'll leave him behind for a while. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, Paxton is just such a wormy little shit. And it's always funny because Cameron always casts Paxton as a wormy little shit. And in everyone else casts him as, like, kind of a, a tough guy, an action Twister. hero. And then... Cameron was like, no, no, he's a sex pest. Yeah. He's, he's a weird little creep. Uh, so It's like a creep with, you know, complete with weird little creep mustache. Yeah, and bad hair and mm-hmm. like... Yeah, Cameron always saddles him with like terrible hair. It feels like a fun... I don't know if they just like had a running bit or something. I bet something. they did. Because uh, he's in most of his movies. Yeah. And, and so... when you look like Bill Paxton, you can be like, yeah... Make me look like a fucking creep. Yeah, I got Twister in a couple of years. I'll be fine. Right? Who, incidentally, Cameron's like fifth and theoretically last wife was in. Was she really? Yeah, she was in Twister. Yeah. In what role? Uh, I don't know. She's a, she's Maureen. I was looking it up on IMDb. Oh. I don't actually remember who she played because I I don't really recognize. Her. Interesting, but yeah, she was. Well, in I'm going to look that up afterwards. I wonder if that's how they, if like through, you know, through, through Paxton, Paxton or something. Probably the timeline kind of works out because like Linda Hamilton didn't last that long. No, right? it was like 97 to 99. Oh, that that works out. So Paxton did Twister in like 96. You know, maybe they were friends, friendly, a little too friendly, and then Hamilton like. You know, got her, uh, and then Hamilton got her Dante's Peak money and was out of there. Oh, so there was actually speculation of an affair. Shocking. Surprise, surprise. Boy, he didn't learn at all from this movie, did he? It took him a while. It took him, you know, one, you know, once you get to your fifth This wife. is kind of like with Mother, <laughs> the movie, oh. where Darren Aronofsky like basically tells Jennifer Lawrence what he's going to do <laughs> and who he is. And they still dated after the movie anyway. And if you've seen Mother, which only like five people have, <laughs> uh, you'll kind of be shocked as well that that happened because what the fuck, man? Like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is an adult 
woman and can take care of herself quite well and she seems like she's doing fine she's doing fine but it is very funny for her to like be in that movie which is all about a hideous i mean it's javier bardem so he's like attractive attractive but uh internally just this fucking monster of an artist who Mm -hmm. just takes and takes and takes from his partner it's oops all allegory i loved it (laughs) unexpectedly I also just love how much you loved it because I was the one who was like, we should watch this. Heads up. It's that was not well received, but I kind of just kept making excuses. Yeah. Just like, I find this movie very interesting. It is a very interesting movie. I enjoyed it immensely, but I can't really say that it's good. Mm-hmm. And then you watched it and you were like, I thought it was fucking great. <laughs> Look, as someone who once dated a much older temperamental artist type guy, fucking writer, it's debatable, but you know, who who behaved in some very similar ways, I was like, "Oh my god." And like it's the same thing with like Cameron having these unexpected insights into womanhood, <laughs> like right, and and female partners, and then choosing to ignore it completely. I don't. It's fascinating. It is a, a fascinating element of like somebody who is clearly very intelligent, very capable of self reflection, very capable of observation of the opposite sex of his partners, and still is like. I'm still going to fucking cheat on this. I'm afraid I'm still going to fuck this up completely. (laughs) Two years and done. Four years and done. Like, just, you know, and very little, like, very little time elapsing between one marriage and another, for the most part, like. Like, very little time. Yeah, right up until the last one. And maybe, you know, he figured it out. He got some real therapy and stopped just making movies about it. And, you know, I'm in favor of, go ahead and, and make movies out of your personal issues. Sure. That's that's fine, but it be is... Be mind for but a lot like, of interesting stuff. You could, if the purpose is to learn from it, learn from it. And I guess he did, just eventually. Eventually he learned from it, uh, theoretically. Uh, but yeah, also, a uh, quick shout out to the movie Mother. If you haven't seen it, you won't be bored. No, I and uh, like you have to go in expecting it to not make sense, like not make sense in the sense that like stuff in our world makes sense. It's yeah. very, it feels like a dream. Yeah. But like a dream, it gets at some very deep truths, I think, and some very deep feelings. And it is, it's still astonishing to me that, that Aronofsky did that. Like fully knowing, like that's just it's 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 him. It's like oh, yeah. him laying himself bare, and then just dating Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I guess weirdly, Aronofsky is like a, a sort of a problematic fave of mine because between that and The Fountain, mm. uh, I fucking love The Fountain. It's a mess of a movie. I have not seen The Fountain. Ah, uh, it's it's just again, oops, all allegory, mm-hmm. and just so pretentious and over the top and ridiculous. And I, I've enjoyed it immensely every time I've seen it. I, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know, that's okay. Swing for the fucking fences. Right. Like, that, I even kind of liked Noah, which was very surprising. 
I uh, also haven't seen. Oh, so you're you've really got an Aronofsky blind spot. I do. Did I, you see Requiem for a Dream? No. Jesus Christ. I don't. Have I ever seen a Darren Aronofsky, Aronofsky movie? Well, Mother. You saw Mother. Oh yeah. Other than that, he's got a new one coming out that I think that everyone's already kind of shitting on. It's like I don't know, man. He is I making think, like it. This is a guy who like it does seem like he is genuinely attempting to make art and yeah. like you, you know whatever maybe it's too sincere maybe it's too like it's just too much it's but at least it's he is trying to make some art it is i guess like kind of pretentious in a way that we all agreed was bad yeah um and it feels like in assuming no weird allegations come out against the oh guy, boy which i could feels see that <laughs> very possible but as of this recording they haven't he feels like the kind of guy who's going to get a, a cultural reappreciation mm-hmm. in maybe five or ten yeah. years and it'll be well deserved uh, rather as opposed to a couple other directors who have had that in the mm. last few years that are not fucking well deserved mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say you don't have to agree or disagree since you're still trying to i mean i don't think m night Shyamalan is gonna yeah fucking oh, m night Shyamalan. god damn it like when old came out and everyone was like oh he's actually good all of his movies have actually been good it's like, we don't have to do this. It feels like the Star Wars prequels thing all over well, again. Well, Lucas is the other one where everyone was like, the prequels are actually good. And it's like, no, they fucking aren't. It's okay for something to be bad and you can just move on with your life. Like, the the one thing is like, yeah, we shouldn't make fun of Shyamalan's name. That's racist no. and gross. Absolutely. I'm fully on board with that. The guy is not a good filmmaker. I'm so sorry. He's just fucking not. Like, let's tr- have give him the dignity of deserving critique critique like it's okay for him to be a bad i mean it's not okay but like he is a bad filmmaker we don't need to just be like oh actually no he's good it's like no he can't write dialogue he can't write characters he can't write surprises he can't write anything that doesn't have a twist like he's not actually yeah what he did to the avatar the the live action avatar jesus fucking christ Uh, a hate crime like, i think how can you possibly watch that movie and be like oh this guy's good actually uh and the star wars prequels were shit too sorry children please please stop trying to pretend they were good just because george lucas had like some good ideas some good ideas and more creative control and they were i guess like they weren't just rehashes of the first three i get why i appreciate that i, I do yeah i get why people are mad at the new disney star wars movies for being rehashes of the original three and being not very good in all different kinds of ways that's fine but you don't have to also then say the prequels were good like they were bad too most of the star wars movies are bad yeah i'm you know there are two good star wars movies (laughs) star wars and empire and that's it i would like i liked the force awakens well enough yeah, it, it is a re. It it's is a new hope. it is just a new hope with some shiny new, wrapping. It's a newer hope. It's a newer hope, <laughs> but you know eh, that's fine. It's mostly fine. It's I think the I don't want to. I don't even. This I'm is so a, we're we're talking about true lies. We true are talking lies. about true lies. Uh, but like I think Cameron is starting to have his own kind of. Everyone was shitting on Avatar for like a decade. And now it feels like the tide is starting to shift a bit. And it's funny to even have to say that when James Cameron has been ultra successful for his entire career. The entire, like... 
The man has never missed. I did not realize that, like, the dude, I like, you know, I don't really, I'm not a film person, I'm a TV person, so my knowledge of film and, you know, filmmakers is is more limited than it should be. So I was, like, you know, reading about James Cameron and his five wives, Mm. and... (laughs) Sounds like a sitcom. It does. And I saw that he, like, was just kind of, going around and and didn't have like much direction and he saw star wars and then like it immediately like went into filmmaking and was extremely and was like immediately doing special effects stuff and climbing up and then seven years later he's making fucking terminator i think that's just something you could do as a white guy in the 70s and absolutely watching that um ilm documentary it was very very clear that if you were just in Southern California in the 70s, like... You could just wander on to a film You could just want just drive around the valley and you could get a job, like, making a movie. Yeah, yeah just stumble onto the United Artists lot yeah. or, or Warner and just... They'll be like, yeah, yeah, get in there. One of the... Build whatever new special effects houses, like, yeah. it was just... You could just do it. Just a free-for-all. If you were a white guy. If you were a white guy. Yeah. Then just who, who liked comics and sure. nerdy stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like ever since then, he did like Piranha 2, uh, the schlocky kind of sequel. Yeah, and he wrote Piranha. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, and then, so, you know, that what didn't really do much, but then he got to do Terminator. And since Terminator, it's just been hit after hit. Uh, so yeah, it's, you don't really need to have a sort of a reappreciation of James Cameron. No. I think like, it's one of those things where people just dislike the ego, even though at this point it's kind of well-deserved. Everyone's like, oh boy, the man who like pitched aliens by writing the title <laughs> and then making the S into a dollar sign. And it's like, that's hilarious. I love that confidence, man. I would love that confidence to go yeah. into a fucking meeting and just boom. <laughs> People like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. And, like, he has earned it at this point. And, you know, he is probably a relatively unpleasant guy to just be around. I've heard he's kind of a a nightmare on set. So, like, no, don't want to excuse any of that. But, yeah, it's weird for people to be like, oh, he's so confident. Oh, gross. And it's like, I mean, that's our whole fucking culture is is just confidence men. Like... Uh, and he's one who's actually like he deserves actually makes it. stuff that looks good. It looks good and that people fucking love. Right. He had the biggest movie of all time until he made the next biggest movie of all time. He has the best Terminator movies in a long franchise that has put out a lot of real stinkers. And his two are amazing. Yeah. He made arguably the best Alien movie. That's debatable. Like oh, either yeah. that to, or Alien. I mean, hard to top Alien. I mean, they're, they're very they're, different. They're both, they're they're so, both different. so good. Yeah. Um, very different. I go back and forth depending on my mood. But like one of the best of, of the two. Yeah. And like, yeah, if that was my resume, I'd be cocky as I would, shit. I would also go I'm king of the world. Like there's the, no, going back to Star Wars oddly, there is this like behind the scenes snippet uh, when they're filming the prequels where George Lucas is like, oh, we're never going to beat Titanic. And he was right. And he was right. I also find that really funny given that Cameron was like inspired by the original Star Wars. Um, Also, uh, this, uh, you mentioned that King of the World thing. So for the youngins who 
aren't aware. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, you know, there's the famous line in Titanic when Leo DiCaprio yells, I'm the king of the world at the beginning. Uh, And then when James Cameron won one of his many Oscars for that movie, he yells, I'm the king of the world when he gets up on stage. And it is very clearly a reference to the movie. It was another one where, like, he was joking. But but no one interpreted it. No one interpreted it that way. And that feels like uh, just a weird side effect of his whole career where he'll try to make a joke and just, like, it's a little too subtle. Yeah, everyone will take it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And everyone did. Everyone everyone takes Cameron in bad faith all the time, I think. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that... He got, he got, yeah, I (laughs) like, he is fine. He was fine after the Oscar thing. Like, I mean, I I, like, he got a lot of shit in the press, but nothing actually happened. Yeah, like, that's not super fun. They didn't take the Oscars away. No, he got to keep his Oscar and then make Avatar. Avatar. So he's fine. He's fine. Uh, But yeah, people just kind of seem to want to, uh, take him in bad faith and like maybe it's just his personality maybe he's just a guy you kind of want to hate but the man knows how to make a movie so we'll we'll see you all in theaters for avatar the way of water i'm gonna be honest i am gonna go we are gonna go we're gonna have some fun it'll be great smoke some weed in the parking lot on the bus on on the way there you can't do that you here can't, man it's portland baby you can we do can, anything we can do anything speaking of so after this you know this will be this is our 30th episode congratulations to us the big 3 the big 3 and we're gonna take a little hiatus because we've got another interstate move coming up and just need need a little bit of a break but um in the meantime, just enjoy the back catalog, and and soon enough we'll we'll be back with another banger that you watched all the time on AMC in two thousand and nine. See you then. <laughs>